For those uh, joining our recording, welcome. Um, earlier on in our time today, uh, we asked the question, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? And what made the difference between not doing it and doing it? So we asked the question, what's the scariest thing that you've ever done? And what made the difference between doing it and not doing it? Uh, encourage you to think about that. If you've got your Bibles close by, then I encourage you to open them to Deuteronomy. And also, if you can um, place a finger in Luke as well, uh, in Luke chapter 10, uh, and find that spot as well, that would be great. So Deuteronomy and Luke chapter 10. Often when we reflect on why we are fearful, it comes as a result of either a real or perceived risk, that regardless of the likelihood of there being any danger, our mind tells us that we're in danger, and so we want to pull back from it. First times for things often bring with them a degree of fear. The first time we go to school, our first time being behind the wheel of a car, our first date, moving out of home for the first time. And even in these times, we are reminded of the wisdom of don't forget to whatever it might be. Don't forget to do your seatbelt. Don't forget to look both ways, whatever. For our 20th wedding anniversary, Mary and I went skydiving. Uh, we were told, don't forget to cross your legs and your arms when you come out of the plane. And don't forget also to breathe. <laughs> don't forget to lift your knees when you come in for a landing. And oh. Don't forget to enjoy yourself as well. But fear can paralyze us from moving from possibilities to realities, from being and doing all that we can. And while for some things, they're not a real big deal if we never get to do them like skydiving, fear can keep us from being and doing all that God wants for us. That was the reality of a generation of the Hebrew people as they stood on the cusp, on the edge of the promised land. 400 years earlier, uh, where Abraham and Sarah lived and died, they were promised by Yahweh God that the land of Canaan and the surrounds would become an inheritance for their children. Then some 400 years later, as the Hebrew people exited out of Egypt, they stood on the edge of this land that they were told was promised to them, a land that after a week and a bit long trudge through and over 160 kilometres of this waterless limestone plateau, this promised land looked so good. It's a distance almost as far as from Preston to Shepparton. There, this new nation stood poised. But rather than being fearless, they became a people full of fear. Now, 40 years later, a new generation stood poised in the same area. And they too would experience fear. So as a nation, as it were, collectively held their breath, Moses spoke. Moses spoke to the Hebrew people, a bunch of foreigners, 
and called them to move from being fearful to being fearless. They faced the same people and the same challenges. And Moses reminded them, don't forget to trust God. Let's listen in to Moses, who gives a parting address to the other, um, to the other people and other people at another time. And I won't read all that Pat has read out um, to us just before, but I want to highlight a, a, a fair bit of it anyway. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 20, we read these words. Moses reminded the people that 40 years earlier, when we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it, it um, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Then skipping down to verse 26. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. And their towns are large and walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way you have traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he's brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best place to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore not one of you, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Despite all God had shown them, their escape from Egypt, overcoming obstacles and crossing the sea, the manifestation of God's presence through the pillar of fire and cloud, the care Yahweh God took of his people, providing for them. Faced with fear, rather than looking back and seeing God as being trustworthy, they gave in to their fear and refused to trust God. Now, a generation later, Moses reminds them, I know this can be scary, that this reality, uh, that this is the reality when we take steps of faith. But rather than being fearful, be fearless. Don't forget to trust in God. Just as God has been faithful to you over these past 40 years, trust God when you face your fears. Be fearless. The reality is for us today, when we are called to follow Jesus, there are times when we are called into some scary situations. Times when we are called not to be fearful, but instead 
be fearless. That was the reality for Jesus' 70 disciples. Earlier, I encouraged you to keep a place in Luke chapter 10. So let's have a quick read of a time when I know that I would have been experiencing a bit of fear in being asked to step outside of my comfort zone. It's a slightly longer reading, but hang in there. And I just want to draw some quick comparisons between this and Deuteronomy regarding how this can apply for us today. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 20, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation in a moment. And if you have a different translation, then I invite you to follow. If you've got no Bible with you, then just check out the screen unless you're driving, because that's not fearless, that's just reckless. Uh, but this time in Luke's record of Jesus' life and ministry, Jesus and his followers are about two and a bit years into Jesus' three-year ministry. And over the last two years, the followers of Jesus have seen him teach large, crowd, large crowds to small groups. He's healed lepers. He's raised the dead. John the Baptist has been thrown into prison. There's increasing resistance against Jesus by the religious establishment. Jesus has calmed the storm. Jesus has cast out demons from people. The increasing cost of rising popularity also comes with rising criticism. In the verses before, Jesus talks about the cost of being one of his followers. Then he turns to his followers in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. And it's like him saying, okay, you've been watching me for long enough. Now it's time to take the training wheels off. Now, off you go and start doing what you've been watching me teach you. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns he placed and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, First say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if the town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your faith. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. 
I assure you, even wicked Sodom would be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, the people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothed themselves in burlap and thrown ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honoured in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. Then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message also accepts me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 returned, they were joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all power of the, all the power of the enemy, and you can walk amongst snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I suspect there would have been a big gulp swallowing response when Jesus said to his followers, off you go. Not only off you go, but I need you to travel light. I need you to travel fast. I want you to move from being self-reliant to trust that Yahweh God will provide for you in the process. I don't want you to be fearful. I want you to be fearless. You will be going toe to toe with evil. You will be like lambs in all their vulnerability and you will be facing wolves that will want to eat you alive. And when it doesn't go as planned, instead of getting a, and instead of getting warm a warm reception, they kick you to the curb, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, don't let what happened stick to you, and don't carry a grudge. Wipe the dust off your feet and keep going. Then, when they returned to Jesus, rather than being fearful, they were pumped. They were fearless. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him being Jesus. Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all powers of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus here is reminding his followers of their ancestors who walked through the wilderness and how Yahweh God protected them from snakes and scorpions, referring all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, where we read these words. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness 
with poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry, he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I've achieved this with my own wealth and my own strength and energy. But Jesus continued to speak to his followers in Luke 10, verse 20. But, and it's a very big but here, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Throughout history, God will call people to move from being fearful to fearless followers. There will be times when we will face some pretty scary things. We may face opposition, and it could be simple opposition, but it can still be scary when we face opposition of laughter or bullying because we're a follower of Jesus. Jesus will say to us, okay, it's time to take the training wheels off. But before you go, remember. Remember the key from being, moving from being fearful to being fearless. It's not in your ability. It's not relying in your strengths and skills. Sure, I can and I want to use them, as Terry reminded us of earlier today. But what I really need for you to do before you set off is don't forget to trust me. Now, church, every time we seek to do good, every time we stand up for justice, every time we move from selfish to selfless, every time we stand up against bullying or call out wrong, we work towards the advancement of the kingdom of God and we can face opposition. Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, these words. And it's a final word as Paul reflects on a church family that he loves. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In Deuteronomy, we've been reminded that a generation of God's people missed out on realizing what God had promised them because they gave into fear rather than trusting in God. Jesus' followers in Luke 10 saw God do amazing things and lives transformed because rather than living in fear, they were prepared to trust Jesus and to be fearless. As we wrap up, I'm happy to open it up after the response time for some comment or questions that you might have.
But there's a couple of caveats or warnings about a message such as this. There is a big difference between being fearless and being reckless. There are times where God will call you into some situations that are scary. It's another thing to be reckless, a reckless thing to go out and just to look for trouble. It's also important that as we're trying to discern what God's will is and what God might be saying, that we have around us people that we can trust, people that you can go to to help test and discern what God might be saying. And in all things, prayer and a close relationship with Jesus is key, as Paul continues to say, if we were to continue to read through in Ephesians chapter 6. So how might we respond today? Well, I wonder, what might the Holy Spirit be saying to you today? about your trust levels of Jesus? How can you grow in your trust in God? And what might Jesus be calling you to do in stepping out of the shadow of fear and to take a step of faith in trusting him more in something that you might, God might be calling you to do?